Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Global Connection. Uh, today, I have with me Corey Gilschuster, the director of the International Program in Conflict Resolution and Mediation here at Tel Aviv University. And while that position actually makes him a celebrity among the Lowy International School crowd, I suspect that more people may know him from his personal YouTube channel, The Ask Project. Through the channel, which has nearly 270,000 followers, Corey solicits questions from the public, where, uh, which he'll ask strangers across Israel and the West Bank. Seemingly, no question is off the table, even the most provocative, such as asking Palestinians why they give up sweets after a terror attack, and Israeli settlers why they burn Palestinian homes and fields. And while most questions do pertain to the conflict or to national or religious identity, you'll also find more innocuous questions like, what is your favorite holiday, or which Hogwarts house are you? So to date, Corey has produced more than 1,100 videos. Corey, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, so from my understanding, you've been doing this for 11 years mm -hmm. now. So I'd love to just get you to walk back to the beginning and, and maybe walk our listeners through a little bit how, sure. how the Ask Project got off the ground. Um, so I, I've told this uh, story a couple of times. Uh, I was finishing my thesis for my master's in conflict studies, um, and I had a lot of time, spare time, and at the time, on the internet, there were Facebook groups and there were different forums that would discuss the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and I would somehow get sucked into this. And what I noticed is that most of the people involved discussing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict were not Israeli and they were not Palestinian. There were some Jews and there were some Arabs, but most of the people were n neither. Yet they seemed to know everything about the conflict. They, you know, because they had an Haaretz article or some, some video, and they were sure that they knew the solution and they knew everything. And they were usually, at least on the Israeli side, because I didn't know the Palestinian side at all, on the Israeli side, I'd always think, you're a little off on this. Like, you're not quite getting it um, because you're listening to sort of more fringe voices. And I remember saying, somebody said to me, somebody Canadian, uh, what are you going to do? Go and ask people, like do, you know, a survey. And I thought, well, wait a second. I have a video camera. I have conversations with people all the time, just in the supermarket, the guy who sells me the vegetables and fruit. Why am I not filming the, these sort of things? And then I, it just popped in my head that, well, I should ask people questions and try to, because it's a way of limiting you know, how much, how far they go and how many tangents they go off on and um, ask a bunch of people um, the same question, try to say it, try to phrase it in the same way, and just uh, record it and let other people see this and do it from a, as neutral, objective way as possible. And I asked people in that forum for a question and nobody gave me a question. Okay. They had no idea how to adapt to that, which I thought was funny and interesting because everyone thinks they know everything, but they don't really, obviously they don't want to know, or they think I am trying to trick them into something. I think that was the uh, the idea that I got from them. Uh, somebody said something about the one state solution and I said, can I turn that into a question? He gave me permission. That was the first uh, question that I asked. Okay, okay. So question number one, 11 years later, you've had a few more questions. Um, 
what keeps you going? Why wasn't this a one-year project? But, you know, it's an 11-year project Yeah, I now. thought I would get tired. I thought I would run out of questions. I, I just, I love doing it. It's so much fun. Um, money is not the reason because I don't very make very much money on this. So yeah, you know, people say, you know, how much can you make money? Not really. No, I can't. I can't leave my day job. I have a full time job. Um, I do this because it's interesting, and I realize that it's a unique voice. It's not my voice. I'm actually very careful not to give my voice yeah. in the videos yeah. whenever possible. Yeah. Um, I, I think showing what regular people on the street have to say. Uh, in contrast to their leaders or what the media has to say, and each media says something different, yeah. uh, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it draws me back because I was here, I was living in Israel during the Second Intifada, or before even, the, in the 90s. And we had this process, this Oslo process, which was supposed to, we, we thought, I thought, uh, would create peace between Israelis and Palestinians. And at the start of it, you had a lot of violence coming from first the Palestinian side, then some from the Israeli side. And it made no sense to me, at least for Palestinians, why would they be using so much violence to destroy an agreement which is going to give them something? Mm -hmm. I wanted to know. And how did we get that so wrong mm -hmm. as regular people? And so by asking the average person on the street, you get a small indication of what do they actually believe as opposed to what their leaders and the media tells us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you mentioned that uh, you try to be as neutral as possible. Um, very, and I do. It's very Canadian. It I is try to very be Canadian. Canadian. I, I am a very Canadian person. As a fellow Canadian, I did recognize mm -hmm. that off the bat. And I, I love that. Um, I mean, for myself, I think I'm someone who, you know, sit me in a cafe and let me eavesdrop on the conversation. Um, and like you mentioned with media too, like there, there definitely is a gap in terms of the way politics can be reported and then how people feel on the ground. And so for me, uh, I do kind of feel like I'm eavesdropping on these conversations a little bit um, mm -hmm. in terms of how people actually think. Yeah. And for you to do that, that's a really, really hard thing to try and be as invisible as possible. So do you? No, really, no, actually, no, hard? not at all. It's okay. very, very Canadian. It's very Canadian. It's very like, and I kept thinking, why aren't other people hearing these voices? I, it made no sense. Also, it, it a little bit annoys me. Um, all of these talking heads who have an opinion, including myself, sometimes I give my opinion and I go, why did I say that? Right, uh, because right. do I know any more than anyone else? Not, not really. I just have an ideas and it's all through my own interpretation. Yeah. Take it for with the grain of salt that, you know, should be taken like everyone else, everyone else. I don't care how much of an expert they are. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to hear from regular people, not from okay. the person who loves to just talk. Okay. Okay. Um, and I've heard too that when you, when you take the video footage, um, it's a rule of yours that you want to include everything. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever find that hard? Like, have there been moments in the past 11 years where you're like, oh, I really, I'm not sure if I should put that in, but... Yeah, of course. There's yeah. parts where I'm offended as a human being by what they said. Um, or I think, because I'm also Jewish, I'm like, well, they just said, you know, it just makes us look so dumb. Um yeah, of course. But no, it's all in there. Okay. Everything's in there. Okay. Okay. Um, so the questions come from the public. Mm -hmm. On average, say in one month, how many questions would you say you, you get? I would say probably 30. 30. Okay. It's probably, yeah, or maybe okay. 20 to 30 a month. Okay. 
Um, I choose the questions ba based on how frequent I receive them. Okay. Even if I don't like the questions. Okay. So if I receive a lot of them, then okay. I'll ask that question. Okay. And if I haven't asked it, because it's already, we're, you know, 1,100 questions in. Right. Right, right. I'm always amazed, though, people come up with, or sometimes I'll have a thought, like, nobody ever asked about whatever. Um, and then I'll go back to the, the, the Gmail accounts, and I'll keyword search, and I'll find out, yeah, they did ask. They okay. just asked in a way I didn't pick up on, because I, I scanned them really quickly. Okay. And then I go, oh, oh, yeah, I'll ask that. Okay. So 11 years in, you're still getting new questions. You're, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, can you walk me through the process of it for getting a video done. So you've, you've, you've got that question, you've chosen mm -hmm. it. Um, what do you do next? I, I put it on, I have a running uh, log of questions. There's about 40 questions for Israeli Jews, Israeli Arabs, and West Bank Palestinians, three different sheets. And I add them to the sheet. And then every so often go through the list of questions and I realize I only need two more because I keep a running tally of how many, I, I minimum eight. If it's a, a short question, like I'm asking now, where do you get your news? And people answer in like five, 10 seconds, then I'll try to get 15 if possible. And I keep a running tally um, and move them up and down depending on where I'm going. I also keep an idea, I hopefully remember because I have a terrible memory, where I got the, most of the answers. So if I was in Nablus, for example, this weekend, and I asked three people the same question, got three good answers um, that I can use, because one woman wrote me after saying, don't use it, fine, erased. Um, then I say, okay, don't ask in Nablus anymore. And then I, I put a little note for myself. Okay. So it's always just, you know, this little dance of trying to uh, okay. figure out what am I going to ask in this place. Okay. I was curious about the geography too, yeah. like how you decide where to travel so, to. And... So, yeah, exactly. So I got a lot of criticism, always at, at, always at the beginning. I, I ignore criticism now, where people would say, ah, oh, you're asking in Tel Aviv. Uh, you know, of course you're going to get that answer, which is, by the way, not true. In Tel Aviv, yes, you get more students, you get more young people, you get a little bit more open-minded answers, but not that much different than Ashdod or not really. Okay. People always think, and it's it's not really true. Okay. But I still okay. do, just so no one will criticize. I try to get you know two, no more than two, maybe three in one place. Okay. Okay. So you make sure that during one video, you're asking people in different locations. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, then I go. Oh, so then I think I finish it. I have eight. 10 answers, mm -hmm. um, I put it in a different folder, I have all these hard drives, where I then can edit it. And then sometimes I find out, ooh, I have seven men and one one woman. Right. That's not good, okay. Or I have four people from Tel Aviv, ooh, big mistake, how did that happen? It's very rare, but it can happen. Um, and then I sometimes will, if it's important enough, I will say, oh, I gotta get another woman who's not in Tel Aviv. Okay. And I'll put that on my list okay. of things to do. Okay. Uh, and I won't, uh, um, uh, produce it until it's that. And then I just, I edit it. All I edit out is their names, just in case they told me a, a fictional name and they don't want to admit what their real name is, which is fine, or place. And everything of content is there. Okay, okay. Do you ever get nervous asking the questions at yeah, all? a little. I mean, not really that nervous. I always bring someone with me because it gives me a, a lot more courage. 
Um, it's amazing if I'm alone. It's not even courage. It's more I get lazy. Okay. I'm, I'm, all I'm thinking is I could be in bed watching Netflix. Why am I doing this? Hmm. But then it, when somebody's there and I'm thinking, oh, this is an interesting experience for them, mostly if they're someone who's a tourist or something like that. It's, I'm trying to right. – it gives me kind – it's kind of a, a way I trick myself into doing it because then at the end of the day, I go, wow, I got a lot of good footage. I'm really happy with myself. So right. yeah, it's just right. – it's like exercise. Accountability. It's a way to trick yeah. myself into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So you, you will travel, and from my understanding, it's part of how you try to fund a little bit uh, the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the travel gets expensive. I have yeah. to pay a translator in the West Bank. Yeah. I translate the the Hebrew videos, and I have friends that work in different places that if I'm not sure about a word um, or I don't understand the word at all, um, I, I ask them, but I have to have a translator in the West Bank. Okay, okay. And you, how long have you known the translator for? Then? Oh, eight nine years okay yeah okay. found her yeah just by chance and um she's an amazing translator okay okay um so looking back what would you say are some of the most memorable experiences so questions answers that really stick out in your mind it's, it's always the ones that surprise me it's the ones who i asked a specific question and they answer a different question with something very emotional so I remember one of the very early ones of asking a Palestinian something about peace with Israelis. It was in Bethlehem. And I said, but why won't you make peace with Israelis? And he took off his glasses and he was missing an eye. And he said, this is what they did to me. And, you know, it's harder to argue with someone who lost an eye. Or there was a woman who I asked about uh, somehow why. Uh, the question was actually, why are um, Arabs more polite than Jews? Which, first of all, I loved that question. I thought it was hilarious. I love inappropriate questions. I, I think they're the best. Nobody actually answered the question, by the way. Okay. I could answer the question. The question, the reason is, in Arab culture, they have hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, uh, hospitality uh, uh, culture. Okay. Whereas Israel's a new country. People erased their past identities in some ways, kept parts of it. And it's still trying to figure itself out. And being chutzpah, being very direct, is considered a plus in this right. part of the culture. So right. you, so hospi you know, being polite right. as Canadians, the, how we interpret it, is just not an. In anything. a weird way, do you think it's more polite that they decided not to answer the question? Well, <laughs> no. That I'm always amazed that people will still answer the question even though they're not answering the question. Okay. I'm always okay. amazed by that. I'm okay. always like, oh, this is where it's going. Interesting. Okay, because I like where people. Anyways, so no one actually answered the question. But this woman was talking about, first of all, she thought I was being anti-Israel, which I was not. I was just more making fun of Israel because I do that. I make fun of both sides because they're both ridiculous. Um, and um, she then said something about, I don't like to talk about Palestinians because my daughter was killed in a terror attack. And I went, oh, okay, that's not unexpected. It's emotional. I'm hoping for the viewer it's also because I'm dealing with it like in my, you know, funny way and whatever. And then she's telling me her daughter was killed. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. This is part of the story, too. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the viewer was as surprised as I was and embarrassed as I was. Okay. So, yeah, but it's part of the story. So it's it's part of what happens here. Right. Um, so I don't feel bad. I just feel I felt bad for her thinking of that. Right, right. Um, you know, what I find interesting is you'll often go in and um, you'll talk about or you'll introduce yourself as a Canadian. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I, when, one of the thoughts I had when I was sort of thinking about what I would ask you is for yourself, how do you place yourself or think about yourself in relation to the conflict? Um, so I'm in some ways involved because I'm Jewish and I've, you know, been raised on these ideas of Israel and what it is to be a Jew, the his, our history. Um, but I feel very Canadian. When I'm in Israel, I feel very Canadian, even though people say I'm obnoxious and I act Israeli. I mean, I'm, I'm very I'm very aggressive. That's my, who my family is. So that's a little bit who they are. Um, but I feel very Canadian. My values are very Canadian. So when people say these shocking things, Israelis and Palestinians, I'm like thinking, why? Why? I believe in moderation. I believe in, yeah, you can get what you want, but, you know, sometimes you have to give a little up. Yeah, you can't get everything you dreamed of. Mm -hmm. There's there's a middle ground for everything. Mm -hmm. That's very Canadian. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and wanting to figure out a way to get along in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I carry that with me all the time. And it, when I'm, so when I'm arguing, if you were Israeli, and I, I would probably argue with you like, and, and scream and yell and not sound very moderate or whatever, but towards the like, why aren't you being moderate? Okay. But when I'm behind the, the, the screen of that camera, um, I, there's, a, there's a bit of a distance and I'm thinking, I'm Canadian. I'm, you know, I can't. Also, I don't want to inter interject myself into it okay. that much. I want to just hear their words. Okay. Um, the we'll call it the middle ground philosophy. Sure. Um, over the eleven years, have you? Would you say that you've become a more a, a stronger proponent of that, or has, you know, your ideas mm. of the middle ground has that shifted at all? So yes and no. So even from the beginning and figuring out what these, I knew the Israeli side better and the Palestinian side was a bigger surprise to me, um, or the lack of moderation on the Palestinian side was a bigger shock to me. Um, on the one hand, I still think uh, there, there are two voices always going on in my head. So one of them is, uh, as a friend of mine likes to say, I, I love to talk about the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about, because I think it's important. The fact that Give an Israeli example. Um, Israelis will try to sound very, very moderate, but underneath, they're not really willing to compromise. They're like, oh, yes, we want peace. We want this. We want, but they're really, if I say, okay, what does that peace look like? As long as it doesn't change their lives in any way, which it would have to in, in dealing with this conflict, um, they're willing to do it. So it's like, I call it lazy peace. Like they don't want to actually do anything for the peace, but they say they want peace. Um I want to put that that thing in the middle uh, to people to talk about because I think it's an important aspect that nobody's talking about. So I will ask a follow-up question to try to bring that out. The same time, the other voice, the Canadian voice in my head, is saying even the illusion of moderation is better than not. Okay. It's okay. still better. Right. It's, it's still... Because even, as you know, in Canada... We're not really that not racist. We're not really no, that not. No, yeah. like if you look at First Nation communities, yeah. if you look at immigrants, you get a scotch in most Canadians and they're uh, those. The God opinions damn, come out. The opinions come out. You, right. you know, it's not that they really, you just don't voice these things. It's not proper. It's it's tacky. You don't say these I things. I feel like if you really want to know, again, go on the Globe and Mail website, which is a Canadian newspaper, and look at the comments. Yeah, yeah. You know? I haven't, but I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> the opinions are Because I there. know people. It's not that, like, you know, everyone say, seems nice and on, on the surface, and then underneath, of course, they have the same opinions as anywhere, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 
Um, I still think that's better. As much as I, when I'm wandering around Canada, except for getting things done, because it makes it much easier to get anything done, bureaucratically or buying things or whatever, um, I still think it's sometimes better to be honest, but... Right. It, it, there's, there's a, I don't know. I, I, I'm not well, sure what to do. Here, it, I think nobody's, nobody's talking about a lot of issues in a, in a um, realistic or a, um, in a way that just will bring it out without being too emotional. Okay. If that's a. Okay. I mean, it, it's tough to have these conversations, obviously. Um, how much of your training in conflict studies, would you say, goes into the way you approach things or the way you think about things? So not a lot, actually, because um, I want to interject to the viewer conflict theory all the time because I'm hearing, so what I, I, I hear, this might be my own bias, is a lot of identity, uh, um, self, people are looking for their identity, both Palestinians and Israelis. And to preserve their identity, they give these sort of answers, these often contradictory answers. And I want to figure out a way to show what conflict theory has to say about this, to okay. bring that out. And I haven't found a good way of doing it without sounding like, you know, somebody who studied psychology and they're just an ass and they're just telling you, oh, yeah, you, you know, you have an issue with your with your parents without, without right. sounding like that. Right. I don't right. know how to do it. So okay. I often okay. feel that's one of the things I feel I'm a bit, it's been a bit of a failure because I wish I, I see it and I, I'm not sure how I can introduce that aspect into it. Yeah. And that's also my own bias because I think everything is about building identity and preserving identity and nobody in, in groups, nobody will allow their identity to be threatened. It's just a thing right. you do. Right. Even Canadians, right. we do that. Yeah. No. Don't I, mess with the Canadian our identity. Don't mess with it. No. No. Uh, we'll no. get very upset. We and, would. We would. It's very uh, true. So it's yeah. it's hard to. I don't know how to put that in, well, and I'm always thinking about it. And and I I do feel personally that it, it would compromise the integrity of the program a bit, right? Like if you're going in and you're just asking a question and letting people speak and say yeah. their piece and recording that. So um, often, by the way, so I'll tell this to anybody who's watching. So people watch my videos and go, why didn't you challenge them about this? And actually what I'm thinking is, wow, that's what they said. Here, I want the world to hear what they said on yeah. both sides. Yeah. Now, yeah. every so often I'll think of something else that'll kind of like, I want to see how deep that is, that belief, because could it be challenged? But really, it's more of this is what people hear, because it mostly when it's something I hear all the time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to challenge it because I think it's important to uh, people know. I, I truthfully think it would be or is an amazing tool for the conflict resolution and mediation program. Mm -hmm. So how often do you talk to your students about it? Or are they aware that you're off in YouTube land? And so I, at the beginning, I actually kept it really separate because I there's, you know, Ask Project Persona and then there's me. I mean, they're the same per person. But I, I was always afraid, like, what if I'm too, you know, controversial? You know, would they, because I don't want it to impact not just the program, but, you know, people have right to believe what they want. They can think what they want. That's okay. It doesn't mean, it doesn't even mean, they're in maybe in my opinion, I think they're wrong, but it doesn't mean they're wrong. I'm proven wrong all the time. Oh, my good, my best joke about that is when I first had uh, Tim Hortons in 1990, I thought this place is going nowhere. Okay. <laughs> who, who would want this coffee? Terrible, terrible, 
Terrible donuts, terrible uh, muffins, and awful coffee. It's going right. nowhere, Tim right. Hortons. Right. You'll never hear for, about it ever. So I'm often wrong. Okay. Um, so I keep I, that I mean, in mind. The truth of the matter is Canadians like bad coffee is what it comes Apparently. down to. I so. still think it's bad coffee. I stand it's, it's by that. Not, it's this it's is not much great coffee. coffee. It's not great coffee. Yes. Yeah. But, but Canadians love it. They love their Timmies. Um, yeah. So yes, they have a right to their opinion. So over the years, I, I mention it always at orientation. And often it turns out that half the class knew who I was before, whether they realized it or not. Um, and then the other half uh, uh, learn about it and think it's an important tool. Do they have a lot of questions for you then when you open up the dialogue that, yes, I do the Ask Project? Sometimes, yeah. Not not always. It's more of uh, not everybody is as obsessed with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as me, so I get it. It's okay. okay. Everyone okay. has their own, you know, their own conflicts. Uh, but, yeah, sometimes they have questions for me. People have come with me. Students have come with me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Safe areas, yeah. So have you had any answers from people that challenge your own viewpoints? Sure. All the time. Constantly reassessing. Uh, everything from um, Israeli settlers, I found them much more moderate than I expected. Not the ones who say they burned down homes, obviously, but the ones who claim that they'll live with Palestinians in peace. Mm-hmm. I think they're a bit delusional, but okay. Um, as long as they are open-minded, I'm good with that. Um, Palestinians and just seeing the entire land as Palestine. This, we're standing, we're sitting here now in Palestine, according to most of them. Um, And I try to put myself in their shoes and why it is they feel that way. And it doesn't mean I agree. I think there there are uh, realities that they're not looking at and each side that just doesn't want to see. They want to live in their own little bubble of reality and okay. Um, but I try to see it from their perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite video? I know you're not supposed to choose favorites probably, but. Um... Uh, again, uh, I think the one that always comes to mind is the the one where I asked about, you know, uh, why are uh, Arabs more polite than Jews? Um, because nobody answered the question and they all went off on a completely different tangent in a completely different way. And I just, I love getting information. So for me, that was, okay. because often when I'm asking the question, I kind of know what people are going to say. Okay. At least I have an idea. Okay. Very rare that I'm surprised because I've heard these arguments so often. Right. But when somebody goes off on a completely different tangent and connects things that I wouldn't connect, I like that. But that's me. So how often do you feel like they're directly answering the question? And how often do you feel like they're just saying something they want to say? I would say my guess is, top of my head 70 percent they're probably answering the question 30 percent they're just talking so they don't sound dumb okay. i would guess because this is also really unfair what i'm doing by the way i approach a person i say hi can i ask you a question for youtube i make sure they understand it's youtube because right. this has happened a bunch of times where like i didn't realize i'd be online I go, why did you think I'm filming <laughs> like right. i say youtube many times point to the camera often and uh, so sometimes they're because they don't expect those kind of questions. They expect me to say, what's your favorite music or um, I don't know, something very cultural that's going on that day Okay. or something. If it's political, they think it's something okay. that's happening right now. Okay. And I don't ask questions about the right now because there's no point. It takes me months to get a video out. Right. Um, so there I, I can see the look on their face. They're kind of surprised by the question. Okay. So, yes, yeah, sometimes they they. Uh, I can tell they're answering very what they think 
is, you know, being honest. Um, and other times it just, they didn't really, haven't really thought about it. Sometimes they'll admit, you know, I've never really thought about it, which is fine. That's, that's fine for an answer because I don't think about all these things all the time either. And how often do you approach a person and they say, yeah, sure. Ask me the question. And how often do they say, no, 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 not, it's not for me. Um, so I should really have to keep a counter. People ask me that all the time. <laughs> I have a I lot never, of quantitative questions for so you. So I, I, I think yeah. I erase all the, a lot of them say no. So I think maybe 70% of people say no, um, not because they even know what the question is. They just don't like the idea of being on YouTube. Yeah. It's just more of what it is. Yeah. And they're embarrassed. They're just like me. I know I don't like to be on camera. Right. Right. Um, Palestinians will answer more because my translator says, do you want to tell people what you think or do you want our leaders and the media to speak for us? That's her line okay. into it. And that works. Okay. I've tried it on Israelis. They don't care. Okay. Um, but uh, um, Palestinians in the West Bank will more often answer. Okay. I'd say 70% of them answer. And you do have some videos with millions of views. Mm -hmm. um, what What is the most viewed video? Yeah. Do you know? It's off? About, about Jesus. Okay. I actually kind of avoided that question, not for any reason other than Really? Like, why don't Jews believe in Jesus? To me, as a Jew, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But apparently not to Christians. Um, okay. And then I kept getting it. So I was like, okay, I'll ask. I mean, I don't have an issue asking. It's just more of, I just, sometimes things seem so obvious to me because I'm in this situation. So, uh, and those are the most popular videos. And understandably, most of the world is Christian. Um, and most of the viewers are Christian. And they really don't get why Jews don't see Jesus as the Messiah. Right. And right. they just don't get it. Right. And no one's going to, and I know they send me, that's actually the most questions I get are proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. And I've gone back and I've gone to special, to rabbis and asked because I figured they want to know. Um, but yeah. So you have a point, bit of a religious community yes, following you then. Yes, yes, Interesting. yes. And okay. I, yes, absolutely. Okay. And so, and then I, so I did something similar for Muslims because I thought, oh, maybe Muslims want to know things. So I took uh, the questions that I got from Muslims, did something similar. Yep. Okay. And are you able to track which countries people are yeah. watching from? Yeah. 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 That's the nice thing about YouTube. Uh, so in terms of uh, a number of views, the United States, uh, Germany, UK, Israel, I can't remember who the, the fifth is, but like Canada or something like that okay. in terms of views. Um, in terms of, I did a, a per capita, meaning you divide the population by the views and uh, it's actually Israelis who watch and I'm not recognized very often at all. Okay. Um, so Israelis watch a lot. Um, there was Ireland, Sweden, a different group okay. of countries. Okay. Um, interesting, in both cases, um, even eight years ago, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia were also high on the list. Okay. Super interested in more, but I think more of the Israelis okay. than they were in the Palestinians. Okay. Do so you, which yeah. surprised me. It, it's Because Palestinians are really low on the list. Right. They don't watch videos about themselves. Right, right. Um, I don't know how much time you spent sort of analyzing how it changes over time, but. Um, India kind of came up because I also asked Israelis, what do you think of India? Because a lot of Israelis have been to India. Uh, Pakistan, interestingly enough, comes up a lot too. Okay. Um, but I don't know, over, uh, maybe not at the beginning, but it, since then it's been, you know, after a couple of years, okay. similar. Okay. But it's still the Levant countries, meaning Lebanon, Egypt, it's not Levant, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Jordan, Palestinians don't watch that much. I get emails from Egypt often, but okay. 
terms of how many of the um, videos they watch. It's not a lot. Okay. And what, what do you hope the public and the people viewing these videos get out of them? I hope they humanize both sides. Even if you hear something shocking from both either. I mean, we get a lot of people who are very pro-Israel, very pro-Palestine. And of course, you know, they hear their own, the people they support saying something and they're, you know, of course, that's what they, you know, that makes sense to them. I hope you uh, people humanize the other, whoever it is they least uh, agree with. And I would hope it inspires people to come here and see it for themselves. And then I always tell people, it's my mantra, go spend two weeks with the group you least agree with. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. agree with settlements, great. Go go live with a settler for two weeks. Mm -hmm. You don't like Palestinians, great. Go to go live in Nablus. Mm -hmm. You'll be mm -hmm. fine. You've kind of answered my next question too, which is um, in terms of conflict studies, like what are some of the lessons that you hope could be taken up in conflict so, studies? So yeah, so humanizing people in situations of conflict is much better than non-dehumanizing. Non yeah. It's very easy to dehumanize. That's what the media kind of does. It makes a good guy and a bad guy. Um, it says it's being impartial, but really it's always kind of, it's got to have a good guy and a bad guy. Who's the, whose fault is this? And um, I'm not sure if that's super helpful. Um, there are a lot of people who like to give the argument that because Israel has power, it has more onus on Israel to deal with this. I would say, actually, um, people who are powerless have more uh, responsibility to at least think about compromising in some way because they are suffer more. Um, regardless, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's people who are in a situation. Israelis don't actually feel powerful. Palestinians don't feel powerless. They they know they're powerless in a lot of ways because they have less money and they have less. They don't have weapon the same amount of weapons. Um, but they everyone justifies the situation to themselves. And okay, so yeah. Okay. Well, Corey, I, I need to thank you for your time and for hanging out with me today. And um, I'm going to keep listening and watching. And thank you. I, I love the work that you do. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you. for having me.